Welcome everyone, I'm Jeffrey Goodman, Director of Marketing and Development for the YMCA of Northwest Louisiana, and we're here today for Shreveport Bossier, my city, my community, my home. My guest today is Sui George Will. So Sui, thanks for thanks for making the time to be with us. Yeah, glad to be here. Every now and then I'll so just for the folks out there, the way these work is I I beg people to come on and I spend a number of hours doing research to prepare for the discussion, and every now and then, I'm I'm kind of fascinated by what I find through that process. And you were certainly one of those cases, so I'm looking forward to exploring some more of what I discovered. Cool, yeah, absolutely looking forward to dialogue as well. Thank you. All right, so we'll hop in, Sui. Um, let's start here today, um, and. If any of this that I mentioned is wrong, just correct me. I, I believe you're originally from Nigeria. Yeah, born and raised, actually. Yeah, that's correct. Then you lived in Toronto. Yeah, family migrated there. And came to the South on an athletic scholarship to the University of Southern Mississippi. That's correct. I was very fortunate. Um, you know, I like to believe I'm athletically, I was once upon a time athletically gifted. Uh, now I just try to stay in shape. But uh, yeah, I was kind of a standout in track and field. I was actually on Team Canada right out of high school. Got a chance to compete internationally for a summer. And what um, event? Uh, discus and hammer. Discus and hammer, right? So uh, did many different things with track, but that was kind of my distinction. And you know, at some point, you know, I was looking for um, more or less an ends to a means and what I could be the most special in and uh, for me the most special meant an opportunity to go to school for free, right? So you kind of choose specialize and uh, you have the right resources, uh, be it the right coach, the right training, dynamics, whatever the case may be. You want to optimize the gifts you've been given and I was fortunate to be able to optimize the gifts I was given and uh, get on the radar of, uh, I know, a Division One school, Southern Mississippi, and get to go to college for free, which that's a remarkable lesson in my life. And so... Uh, my first question for you is, how did you first come to live here yeah. in Shreveport, Bossier? Okay, so CentOS Corporation brought me here, right? So currently I'm the general manager for our operation here in Shreveport. I get to support uh, East Texas, South Arkansas, Northwest Louisiana. Um, and basically I came on board as a management trainee right around nine and a half years ago. And uh, you know, my first full-time stop with CentOS was here in the Shreveport, Bossier market. Uh, Shreveport Bossier has been more or less home since then. Many, many incredible people. Uh, this community is a very welcoming environment. Um, once you're in, you're in, right? They'll open you with arms and they won't let you leave. And um, my wife and I both enjoyed this area and uh, we definitely enjoyed making it home. Awesome. Well, it's great having you here. Um, I'm always interested in how athletics prepare people for successful careers as yeah. adults. So talk a little bit about how and why your athletic background has helped you thrive as a business professional. Yeah, so um, prior to you know my professional career um, with CentOS, you know, I reference athletics as quite frankly just a um, a true pro pro propelling force in my life. Right uh, when I think back to who I am and um, life in Canada, right, as an immigrant family, um, and you know, doing your best to assimilate in ways that make sense. Right, so you got to think. Uh, you know, my, my parents, both Niger of Nigerian background, my entire family and our community at the time especially was as well, too. Um, when, when I was faced with just opportunities to um, find ways of distinction uh, amongst my peers that, you know, to some degree maybe looked a little different, talked a little different, had different upbringing, uh, athletics gave me that, right? So first and foremost, um, it gave me a, a sense 
and a desire and willingness to compete, right? So um, whether it's sports, whether it's hobbies, whether it's your professional career, um, a willingness and a desire and a readiness to compete, right? To measure yourself aggressively against others and be willing, able, and ready to put in the work behind the scenes or, you know, in, in plain sight, whatever the case may be, uh, to excel at what you do was what sports showed me early on in life. And, you know, in many different platforms and environments in life, you know, we're not always very comfortable um, pinpointing what good is and what bad is. I think a lot of times we live in some gray areas um, that are sometimes just tied to, you know, just, you know, the nature of the task at hand. But um, sports is one of those. Sports is, isn't one of those environments where we're uncomfortable highlighting good performance. And um, it's, if you're able to kind of harness the, harness those tra those traits and those that willingness to put yourself um, in a vulnerable spot as a performer and measure yourself aggressively, um, you're possibly and probably able to um, take that skill set and transplant that to other facets of life as well too. Beyond that, though, another thing sports showed me too is just uh, team dynamics. Right, getting comfortable understanding that um, someone else is leaning on you and expecting you to do, do something. Whether it's your coach, whether it's your teammates, um, whether it's a school that's paying for you to be there and committing a ton of resources over the course of a four-year academic career to you being successful. Um, sports pre prepares you for that ability of just expectations and being comfortable with that. Now, when I transitioned my career from, I guess, an athlete to a professional, um, I was very comfortable with the team dynamics. I was very comfortable with the asks of those around me, the asks of the organization, the asks of um, people who leaned on me, um, be it for my leadership, my experience, my knowledge, or just availability. Just, hey, if you guys need me to be here on that day, I'll be here because I'm comfortable being asked to show up on time, be prepared, and be ready for things. Um, so. That's something I really enjoyed about my sports career and how it pre prepared me for more. That's something I really challenge young athletes to embrace as well, too. Um, very few of us young athletes are going pro, and that's okay. That's not the name of the game. The name of the game is to harness skill sets, develop them, um, and ideally to make them transferable so that all over into the next phase of life, you're able to find as much success um, as you want as an athlete as well. Love it. All right, so uh, you mentioned CentOS. You're the general manager of CentOS yeah, Corporation. I, am. Yeah. I know at the Y that we use and love CentOS. Awesome. That's for, for those out there who don't, um, who don't really know what CentOS does, can you tell them a little about the company and your services? Absolutely. So CentOS um, was... Uh, Founded out of the Cincinnati, Ohio area, right? So right after the Great Depression, the farmers, uh, the founding family, which uh, been a company leadership for an incredibly long time, uh, set out to uh, provide a what apparently seemed to be a needed service at the time, right? So at the time, it was providing shop rag service to um, industrial parts of Midwestern America. Um, so it, it was founded out of quite frankly, uh, a need to provide for their families. Um, and, you know, the way it was originally founded was, you know, the founding family, Doc and Amelia Farmer, um, they did everything, right? So 
Now here today we're a Fortune 400 company, um, you know, knocking on eight, nine billion dollars a year in sales. But back then it was a family with kids washing rags and a mother and father riding around a city servicing um, industry. And um, it, it transformed from there where, you know, we realized that what we had was special and it was a service and offering that could be replicated across the map. So it went from um, the Midwestern Ohio area to the Chicago's to the Detroit's, right? All through the industrial aspects of America, very industrial areas. And then, man, it kind of just caught on fire through the 70s and 80s. Um, through a series of just continued expansions and some, quite frankly, very fortunate um, and successful acquisitions and mergers, uh, we're able to double and triple our footprint to the tune of um, where we are today. Now, what we offer our customers over the course of time has changed a little bit, right? I think once I prefaced that earlier was um, shop rags and shop towels for mechanics and industrial facilities. Um, then we transform greatly into the uniform services, right? So. And you see a lot of things out there, and you just uh, maybe you go to an auto shop or you go to a Valvoline and you, you see people wearing a matching uniform. I think a lot of times we take that for granted. They didn't all just go to a retail store and happen to find the right color shirts, pants, hats, whatever the case may be. Um, we found a niche. We found a niche that I think, quite frankly, is uh, kind of implanted us as part of, in my opinion, industrial infrastructure. When companies are making a choice in regards to where they're going to choose to set up shop, um, you know, they're assessing several things. Of course, they're looking at, you know, I'd say probably the technological infrastructure. Is there internet? Is there power? Is there water to that area? Is there um, skill sets and local talent available for us to employ? Um, and then are the resources available for us to do the job well? When you think about the resources to do the job well, um, if you are about to open up a mine here locally, you are going to want to put folks in the appropriate attire and ensure they can do the job and not uh, potentially cross-contaminate, right? Take that junk gunk home with them and want to come to work because most people who have nice stuff aren't going to want to take uh, industrial contaminants or industrial soils home with them. And we provide companies the ability to do that. Now, as we've morphed and grown our business over the years, um, one thing I've been very proud of is how dynamic we are. I think I referenced earlier, hey, shop rags and shop towels in the, in, in the, in the right around the, revo the industrial revolution into more so traditional uniform services. Then at some point in time that became mats, right? So we purchased a mat manufacturer um, and we leaned big time on their ingenuity and their engineering to continue to create product services that our customers need. So a lot of times when you walk into restaurants, when you walk into retail stores, whatever the case may be, there are mats on the floor. And it's not just, hey, there's a mat on the floor, but you gotta think about what a mat truly actually helps companies do, right? So between fall protection, right, and contamination of soils and dirt and keeping um, gunk out of your facility, um, that service goes a really, really long way with our customers. And then finally, we've um, continued to grow just our hygiene business and our hygiene line. And every time we pivot as a company, there's definitely a reason why we're doing so. Um, you know, uh, America 
uh, it's still an incredible uh, industrial powerhouse, but uh, the workforce has changed and maybe we're seeing a little bit less industrial roles and um, things are kind of a little more retail inspired. And to make sure that we continue to stay as relevant and continue to grow, we pivoted a little bit of our focus uh, towards some of those retail inspired lines. So that's the soaps, the sanitizers, the tissue papers, the air fresheners, all those things are geared towards kind of where society and our economy as whole is leading us. Um, we have a general vision of what our growth can be and what our growth should look like, but ultimately it's gonna be hinged on what the economy's doing. And um, we pivot whenever necessary and we find ways to continue to grow. And I'm really proud of our ability to continue growing, especially even here locally, right? Uh, COVID-19 was a huge challenge that every company had to navigate and work through, and we did. Um, we weathered the storm. Um, it was a challenging time, but we grew prior to COVID, we grew through COVID, and we're growing after COVID. And that's not just a Shreveport Bossier story, that's our company's story overall. And it's a testament to our ingenuity and the people we brought on board to help lead our company's growth in different segments of our company across vast geographies of, throughout our corporation. Awesome. Now, in, in, in doing my research on you, I learned uh, you're massively involved in our community. I'm going to try to name a few of the things that you do. So you were chosen as 40 under 40 yeah. and were a member of the 2021 Greater Shreveport Chamber of Commerce Leadership Class. Yeah, that's correct. You were on the Executive Committee of the Independence Bowl. That's correct. The United Way Board of Directors. The Strategic Action Council Board of Directors. I have done some work with them in the past, yes. A member of the Louisiana Economic Development Corporation. Yep. And a member of the Committee of 100. For Louisiana, yeah, that's correct. Clearly, giving back to the community is important to you. Yeah. Why is that, and who taught you the importance of service? Yeah, I think there's two components to that, right? So if uh, you peel layers back on who I am and what you've kind of revealed about me, um, one component of that is uh, wanting to be a part of the community, right? If you think through uh, migrating a couple times in life, uh, I've really embraced Shreveport Bossier as home, right? Because, uh, you know, I've moved and uh, I've learned to not take the comforts of home for granted. I've also come to learn and realize that uh, what you put out is what you'll receive. Um, if you're good to people in the community, the community and the people will be good to you as well. Uh, so I, I, I believe that. I, I honestly believe that, personally. Now, professionally, um, I think there's several things at play that, that, that kind of lead my activities and my involvement. Uh, I'd say first and foremost, you know, I'm fortunate to have, wear the title of a business leader for a, a good-sized company here locally and a good-sized company um, nationally. Um, with that being said, that comes with some responsibilities, right? That's to represent the business appropriately, um, to promote our brand, and then I'd say also to continue to attract and hire the right caliber of talent that propels our business to move forward. Um, personally, by being involved in different organizations, uh, I get an opportunity to connect with great people. Professionally, I get a chance to promote the business. I'm fortunate to lead. And then um, there's an intersection between the personal and the professional. And I take my career incredibly serious at this point. And being able to hire 
the right caliber of people by establishing a great brand for our business locally, um, of course, in fact, the first in life as well. Because if uh, if the business is going well, uh, you know, there's probably some spillover into my own personal sense of accomplishment in regards to what I what I do for a living at this point. Does that make sense? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'll also say too, there's also another component of uh, representing uh, representing who I am, and um, I'd say. Um, the socioeconomic aspects of who I am, right? So um, I'm also an African-American leader of a business. And I think, um, I don't know that there are many African-American males my age that are the face of, I'd say, a Fortune 400 company um, within such a large geographic region. And I think it's only appropriate that, um, you know, given the opportunities I've been given, I don't, A, take them for granted, B, I don't squander them, and that, um, three, I'm also able to continue to, you know, maybe show others that um, there are other people like me, look like me, who have a similar dynamics in regards to background, um, maybe it's immigrant, um, whatever the case may be, that are capable of leading a successful organization. And uh, just sidebar, how old were you when you moved to Toronto from Nigeria? Yes, yeah, so I moved to Toronto from Nigeria eight and a half. Then I moved from Nigeria, sorry, then Toronto. Tor, tor, I moved from Nigeria to Toronto eight and a half. Mm-hmm. I moved from Toronto to, I guess, southern Mississippi, Hattiesburg area, 19. And then I moved to the Shreveport Bossier community at 23. And then I've been the general manager of the Shreveport area since I was 29. Okay, awesome. Yeah. All right, so I'm, I'm always interested in, in hearing how people who do not grow up here view our community. Yeah. So what did you notice when you first arrived here, and how would you describe Shreveport Bossier to your friends who had never been here? Yeah, yeah, so I'd say it's small and big, right? So I think uh, we've got this really cool I-20 corridor that rolls through downtown. Like, oh my gosh, it's a big city. And then you get off and you're like, okay, that's it. Uh, but small and big, right? So even on the personal element of, you know, hey, you meet someone, you're like, yeah, I know him too. And you're like, oh, I guess we all know each other. Uh, that's a real thing. Um, but, you know, what, what I'd say about this community is it's a very open and welcoming community. And, uh, you know, I think what's most uh, disheartening about this community is I think too often some of the best and brightest move away, right? And I think that's a reality across the board, right? So even me, right? I'm not from here and here I am living somewhere else. So just the nature of life and how things work. But, you know, when you think about it, uh, I've met incredible people here who I've bragged them about how awesome the place is who are from here. And they're like, yeah, man, I'm going to be on the first plane to Dallas or Houston, Atlanta, New Orleans, Baton Rouge, and it's a little disheartening. So, you know, what I think about in regard to that, and it's a little bit of a sidebar, but I'd also say that's really on the business leaders to continue to make the appropriate opportunities available here locally for professionals to flourish. And not just all professionals, right? I'm saying specifically what happens is folks go away to school and they don't come back. Or when they first get back, they're eager to leave again. So I'd say opportunities 
specifically for young professionals to be able to feel comfortable to come back home and plant themselves here and ideally grow their lives and their professions here. And uh, I think there's an element for business leaders, political leaders, community leaders to all rally around economic opportunities and really understand that until that's really tackled and until that's really at the forefront of initiatives and at the forefront of agendas, that we may continue to see the best and the brightest of this area look for something else to do somewhere else. I think it's unfortunate because I'm not from here and I realize how awesome this place is. And I can only imagine that people who are from here feel even stronger about it. And if they're making a choice to leave, it's possibly probably because they feel just, I don't know, maybe disenfranchised is the right word in regards to the opportunities. Um, I think there's something there that I think we could all rally around and really ensure that economically we thrive and that there are opportunities robust enough to keep people employed. And when people are employed, they got money to spend, they're gonna do other things, whether that's arts, weekends out, whatever the case may be. But um, buzzing economies spur entrepreneurial activities, which all, and I think we'd all love to see in this area. And you you're kind of hit some of this, but my next question is, what concerns you the most as you look out at our community? Yeah, yeah, okay. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to jump ahead. No, and I promise part... I hadn't seen these questions, but <laughs> you, you can't tell. I'm, I'm passionate about this place, and I'm passionate about what I think this place is capable of. Um, because I get to work with a lot of people who are from here. I get to interact with a lot of people who are from here, and I see it. I see that there is so much opportunity here. Um, so I'd say that's probably it. A little bit of a decline in population um, where... Uh, folks go off to school and are incredibly hesitant to come back and um, if they do come back they're looking for the quickest ride out of here so once again that's a call to action for business leaders community leaders political leaders to make sure that we are targeting what makes our community attractive Um, a lot of motives a lot of things that are cool and awesome but ultimately if you look at some of the economies that have thrived, right? You know, hey, I love Louisiana. I love this northwest Louisiana corridor that I've been a, I don't know, a member of the community in so so long now for. But if you look at communities that have really hit a home run economically, it really starts with retaining and creating an environment where people are comfortable coming back to because they trust the opportunities are there. So there's something there for everybody, right? You got to think there's different segments that impact that. Um, business leaders have got to be comfortable investing in this community. Um, if that's happened, we got to really feel good about, you know, just what the economic incentives are potentially. And, um, you know, community leaders have to continue to push businesses and political leaders to make sure that things set up shop and they stay. They stay, they stay, they stay. And if we do that well enough, Man, it's uh, it's a snowball, right? I think if you look into the Austins, if you look into the Texas as a whole, it's kind of sort of got that figured out a little bit, right? So I'm not saying that uh, nothing we can't do, and I'm not saying that there aren't great things happening here, but I just get worried and just um, just how few young professionals choose to return back to this community. And on the flip side of that, in my final question, we may keep dialoguing, but my, my, my final question is, what makes you hopeful about our future? The people. The people, the people, the people, right? So there was a, uh, 
we talked through my career a little bit. Well, we didn't go into individual roles. I've done about eight roles with Centox over the course of now going on 10 years. But at one point in time, I was actually a branch manager in Long Beach, Texas, and I chose to live in Greenwood, Louisiana because of the people, right? There's something about these people here that are welcoming. Um, I've chose to make it a home. I've had opportunities to explore other things. Um, I've had opportunities to move other places. But I've chosen Shreveport, and I, I still choose Shreveport. And uh, as long as it makes sense for me and my family, I'm going to choose Shreveport. I'm not saying that may never change or an opportunity may not pull me to consider other things. But the people, um, the people here are warm, they're welcoming, and uh, they made this, me comfortable viewing this as home. So uh, that's what I'm optimistic about, the people, uh, their skill sets. Uh, I've been fortunate to lead a robustly dynamic and growing organization. And uh, I mean this on everything. I mean, it's the folks I'm fortunate to work with that have created that, right? They have created growth through the most adverse circumstances. And I remember some of the days early in the COVID pandemic where, you know, we had a one business day a week which was cleaning the facility. We cleaned every day, we cleaned every hour, but we were said we're coming in Friday just to clean. And folks got on board with that notion, that concept. And, um, you know, Folks that I've been fortunate to work with, say they're folks, call them partners, the partners that I am fortunate to work with um, have made me really comfortable, really comfortable with the idea of this being home. And, um, you know, folks I work with, the partners I work with, is just a small microcosm of what this community as a whole is too. So, uh, the people. Well, I love everything you're doing. I loved everything I found as I kind of started to wrap my head around who Sui is. And is there anything else you'd like to share? Um, just, you know, what you see, what you'd like to see, um, things that you're into that we didn't address or anything else you'd like to mention? No, we've talked through a, a wide variety of topics. And ultimately, you know, I just, um, I appreciate people like you in this community because, um, you know, when we talk about the people, uh, it's platforms like the like these that ultimately put people on radars of others to understand just how special our community is, right? Um, you know, I say this in reference to companies all the time, but I'm going to say it in reference to cities, right? And what I say about companies is, you know, sometimes folks say, oh, that's a bad company, that's a bad, oh, that's okay. It's, maybe it's a bad company, but it's not the company we're talking about. We're talking about the people. Right, because really and truly, it's not the brand that's bad. And if the brand is bad, it's because people have abused the brand or they put a brand in a negative light. But it's talking about the people. So when we talk about communities, it's about the people. It's about their individual stories that are captivating enough to potentially inspire others, but then potentially also lead others. And uh, you know, ultimately, I think if a community is able to create the right platform for people to be inspired and for leaders to lead great results. Um, ultimately, you gotta imagine that the community probably will thrive and do well over time if that's the case. Well, appreciate you being a part and yeah. keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great things and we're real fortunate to have you. I am very fortunate to be in this community, very fortunate to have community leaders like you who take time to you know learn about people and to share their stories and create applicable platforms. Um, and I look forward to continuing dialogue on what it takes to move this community forward because as long as this community move, moves forward, um, opportunities, robust opportunities will continue to uh, will continue to come to fruition for all parties involved. 
Thanks, Suey. Awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. Cool.